Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina at Millstone Pizza. And I'm Jason Broadwater and we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of Small Town USA. Today with me I have one of my dear friends, uh, been friends with, with this man, Scott Nurkin, since uh, 11th grade, when we both went to the same high school in Charlotte, and uh, both newbies at that high school. Started the band together, were in band together for years, into college. Um, then we did a, we might talk about this, but did an annual arts event for four years in a row, where his visual art and my uh, literature writing and whatnot, we turned event, that into an event, and um, just been very close. and. Uh, He's in town in Rock Hill because he's painting a mural, which he does professionally, at a brewery that's opening up in Rock Hill that we're all very excited about. So, um, Scott, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Absolutely. Cool, man. So, you know, here comes his flight of beers. So, uh, let's see. Now, super pumped. Yes. Thank you so much. You were great. You know, I made a mistake. Going to, he just put the Wahoo. It's supposed to be the Wahoo Thai Chili. So, you have the Wahoo, and then here's the Thai Chili. Oh, hey, man. Bonus. Bonus. It sounds like I just ordered chicken wings, but it's actually beer. <laughs> it, it's a lot of little beers. <laughs> My Wahoo Thai chili here. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, let's start with just the reason you're in town before we kind of get your history and, and, and all about it. Uh, what are you working on? Okay, uh, there's a new brewery opening up, as you said, in, Cha in uh, Rock Hill called Legal Remedy. They took over an old car dealership and they've Upfitted it to house lots of uh, beer casks, and they're brewing the their own. That the salesmen wore still are they wearing those suits? No, but you know what is awesome is like they have the light, the lighting in the parking lot. I guess they used to park you know the cars out in there, uh, than like a dealership does. The lights are so badass, they're gigantic, and they look like uh, you know those things that women used to get their put their heads under the hairdressers or whatever. Right, 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 yeah. But there's like they're like. They're lime or avocado green. Oh my gosh. And they're gigantic, and there's like three to a thing. And they, it's That's one of those cool. like old uh, artifacts that you never notice, but when you notice them, you're like, holy shit. That is so cool. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's like Mad Men era for sure. Right, yeah. Or a little later, but like, just awesome. So, so this brewery's open up here in Rock Hill, and uh, you're, I mean, they're going to be brewing and serving. It's going to be a restaurant. Yes. And you're going in there and painting on the outside and inside of the building. Yeah, so this is uh, a little different than what I typically do. My main gig is murals. Uh, I do a lot of commercial work for businesses or schools, churches, you know, aquariums, museums, things like that. Uh, and uh, lately I've been doing a lot of gigs for breweries for some reason, beer companies and breweries. I'm not quite sure why. I think they all word of mouth is spread within the industry or something. But uh, this is more signage work, which I also do. I don't do as much of it because it's just, uh, it's not really my favorite thing in the world to do. So you're hand painting the sign of this brewery. Yeah, so, so, okay. so on the exterior, Are you we hand have- painting it by hand? <laughs> I'm using someone else's hand. <laughs> I'm using a monkey paw and someone else's hand. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I hand paint the, the lettering on the outside. One of the reasons why I don't do signage is because I, I actually secretly hate lettering. 
Secretly? <laughs> it's not so secret anymore. But no, I don't. Well, our four listeners <laughs> know about this secret. Okay, well, don't anyone tell anybody. But um, I don't like it at all. It's very tedious, and it's it lettering. Try it yourself at home. If you, if you... If you wanted to paint a sign that said, like, I don't know, Jason's abode, it is so... Getting everything to look correct is very hard. And if in lettering, if you're off by an inch, half inch, it looks like total dog shit, and they're just like, I don't know who you are about it. I'm like, I'm a perfectionist, so I can't well, handle I can, it. I can appreciate that just from, like, the times I've made a poster board sign for a birthday or something. You know, exactly. like, trying to make the letters all spaced to where yeah. at the end everything looks fantastic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a truly an art. There's a, a wonderful movie out there uh, called Wall Dogs. And it's about artists. That's in the industry of, of uh, sign painting. Wall dogs are people that put uh, beautiful signage on walls. And it goes back to, I mean, God, eons, I guess. But like in the early turn of the century, when it was kind of like a boom, uh, these people were heralded just like, you know, really fantastic craftsmen. And a lot of it's gone nowadays, obviously, but like you might see it in some ghost signage, and a lot of people, thankfully, are trying to bring it back. Hell, there's one on the, the building they took down over there, that big cigar oh, yeah. sign. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was how they used to do advertising back in the day, and those guys were like true artisans, and uh, it, there's... But you do that, though. I mean, you, you like bring back to life things that are faint well, that's, in buildings. I, I, do, I do a lot of that, too. This is another reason why they hired me for this job is because I do one of my specialties is ghost signage or distress signs. So, like, taking a brand new sign and making it look aged. Like or it seem like it's one of those exactly. old signs. Exactly. Like it's yeah, been gotcha. there for a couple uh, uh, decades. And you did. I saw your work recently, man, um, in Charlotte, driving by the baseball. Uh, that was all uh, uh, distress right. stuff, ghost yeah. sign. Yeah. Yeah, that was a cool gig. Oh, I bet, man. I mean, I, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, that that was such a big deal. When so, what happened was, was a um, baseball team that was in Fort Mill, and it moved, and it's kind of a, it's a Charlotte Knights. Yes, yeah, Charlotte Knights, but it's a what is a farm league for? Um, I can't remember what. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm butchering this. We'll have to look, Google this afterwards. But anyway, um, they moved into downtown Charlotte, and um, they you know built them a facility and everything, and so. You went in there and painted. I mean, they're like dating back to all their different logos and yeah. mascots so is, and names. It's like a there's four murals and they're um, sort of telling the history of ballparks in Charlotte, which also effectively tells the history of the teams there. So it goes all the way back to the early uh, 20th century, well into the 1800s. So it's I want to say the first is 1894. The first ballpark was called Latta Park, and that's where they played. Uh, until I'm probably pulling that out of my ass. I know it's in the 1800s, but it's, I, that's kind of what I remember. Anyway, that it was somewhere between 18 and 2000. <laughs> Take from here until 18. It was after Columbus. Civil War until it now. It was sometime Columbus. in there. Uh, yeah, uh, they. But so that park was around for I don't know a while, and then they moved out to uh, shit. I can't remember any of the names of the parks, but. Eventually got to the Charlotte O's, which was a little bit of a popular team in the 80s. Maybe you remember them? I don't. The Orioles, the Charlotte Orioles. I do, just because they were there when we moved to Charlotte. My family moved to Charlotte in 1880. And that minor league team eventually morphed into the Knights. Uh, so each, each Boy, mural... seeing that happen would have been incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Visually, an Oriole into a Knight. Uh, yeah, but then uh, yeah, they ended up... Okay, so I guess it's... Uh, the, the, 
oh, I'm really bad. This is my actual work, and I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> four murals celebrating four uh, time periods, four parks, and essentially four teams. There you go. And they ended up on the final one. Just go there. Look at it yourself. Well, yeah. it's beautiful work. Thank man. you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. <laughs> Next time you're going to the Panther Stadium, walk by yeah. the baseball. That's, that's actually what we did. We weren't going to the night. We were driving to the Panther Stadium. I mean, but actually, night's attendance since they moved it to the downtown truck. Since my paintings were put on, the, and they built a stadium on the wall that my paintings were. Right. Uh, uh, place. Uh, no, the stadium is actually really sweet. It's one of the most beautiful uh, ballparks I've ever seen. Wow. It's recessed. Like, if you're standing at home plate, you're, you're like, teeing off the, uh, the skyscrapers. In Rock Hill, there's a big push for what they call alternative sports. You got a BMX facility. That we're going to have the World Championship BMX. Is that the Hornets Nest? The old Hornets yeah, Nest? in Charlotte. I wish, dude. I thought that was way cooler. No, the no. Hornets Nest was in Charlotte. Oh. But this is, like, full-on X Games qualifying. It's one. It's the only other one is in California that meets all the X Games like criteria for qualification. Wow. Yeah, and they're gonna have the World Championship. It's already built, and they already had tournaments and qualifying tournaments. But they're gonna the World Championship of BMX is gonna be 2017. It's gonna be here in Rock Hill at that uh, place. It's incredible. And they also built. Yeah, yeah. They also built right near it a velodrome that is also one of the three only Olympic qualifying velodromes in the United States. <laughs> but I don't know what a velodrome is. Oh, it's like where you ride a bike in a circle on the street, on like street bike racing. Did you know what that was? It's really slanted. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's really slanted. All right. I know what you're talking about now. I didn't know that was what it's called. So I got to say this. I forgot to say this when I started. So behind the mic, Micah is not here. And I know he's usually really uh, opinionated and vocal, so you, you'll miss him from the podcast. Instead, we have behind the mic, Neil. Silent Anil goes to Neil. Never know he's here. Anil, wonderful Anil. Anil, say hello. Hello. Well said, Anil. See, he's he's to the point and uh, makes it happen. So, uh, so so anyway, um, the BMX, the velodrome, the sports that are going on in Rock Hill are all what people call alternative sports. They have the national championship for uh, disc golf. Winthrop. Rock Hill. Yeah, with yeah, yeah, that's a great disc the golf course. Quidditch national championship, which is it's hilarious. Real, yeah, real sport. I guess. I mean. Don't you have to levitate? Do like <laughs> they, they, and isn't there like a magic ball? Well, yeah, and there's like bad wizards making fire and stuff. But there is, um, there is an actual bad wizard. <laughs> yeah, I'm, again, I, I'm in a room I know nothing about. Off these days, man. <laughs> so we've talked about two things we know nothing about. Let's mm-hmm. let's change the subject. All right, let's get into submarines. <laughs> Let's talk about the construction of submarines. Yeah, great. I know a lot about that. <laughs> so anyway, let's switch to a subject that you know something about, which is okay. you. Yeah, let's talk about me. All right. So <laughs> sure. Let's back up. You moved to Charlotte in 1980. Yes. Right, and you grew up there. How do we get from Scott growing up in Charlotte to Scott the muralist who's in Rock Hill today? Like, what'd you do? What'd you focus on? What'd you study? Like, what's your journey? Well, Okay. As you mentioned earlier, I went to high school with you, um, Charlotte Latin, wonderful school. But I, I really didn't take. I've always studied art. When I was I was fortunate enough. My mom was a really big supporter of me and my brothers. I have four brothers of uh, putting us into extracurricular things like music, piano. Oh, I gotta say, your mom's awesome. Shout out to Charlotte in case you're listening to this. Jay, Jay, what's up? I know she's listening. Uh, no, I. Um, 
And so I took art lessons from the age of five on. Basically, when we moved to Charlotte, I started taking art with this wonderful lady named Carolyn Saunders, who kind of uh, was as a name around Charlotte for being a wonderful like kids teacher outside of public schools. And I worked with her, worked with her. I, I took under her for a long time, and then I don't know if that sparked my interest in it. And then I watched the movie Xanadu. <laughs> <laughs> about Andy Gibb, maybe, and Olivia and John, they paint a mural on the wall. Actually, this is somewhat true. I remember seeing that movie. And, like, the, he paints Olivia and John, she comes to life. Oh, wow. Yeah, we should all go back and check that out. I, I, no, I recently was thinking about it. Did that re- I remember the movie, sort of. Well, you know, you know Stan Gibson? Yeah, of course. Well, you know, um, he wanted to name his band, our band that we were in together, Xanadudes. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Anyway, to get back to your question. Um, and then, you know, I've always just, uh, my loves have been playing the drums and, and uh, painting or drawing, anything artistic really. So really. you were Stuart Copeland, like, you, you were all about Stuart Copeland, you were learning yes. the drums, playing sure. the drums. Yeah, yeah, he was one of my favorites. We were like sure. in the 11th grade at that time. In what? We were in the 11th grade, so we were teenagers. I, I was a year younger than you. Oh, well, I got yeah. held back because I was stupid public education <laughs> Charlie um, yeah I, I started at 10th at Latin you kept going um, yeah yeah I was into police for sure back then um, but then I, I you know kept playing drums kept doing um, uh, art and um, I guess I didn't really start to get to jump to head to now I'm trying to tie it all in because that's a huge question 1980 to 2015 but I started doing murals um, when I I took an internship right out of college. I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill. And you got a, you had like a BFA in uh, painting and drawing. Painting and drawing. And so I took an internship with this guy named Michael Brown, who's a muralist in Chapel Hill, and he became a really good friend. I basically became his apprentice, and I worked under him for three years, and he taught me everything I needed to know at the time, and uh, a lot more than I ever learned in, in studio classes at, at school. Sort of like getting, being a, you know, like taking a job with a chef in a kitchen versus right. going to culinary school, Doing you know. It, yeah, yeah it's actually getting get your hands in the stuff. And um, I basically realized that I probably could do more and make more money and et cetera, et cetera, if I branched out on my own. And also not be painting someone else's work, which is totally fine to paint someone else's work. But after a while, you're like, oh, you know, I'd rather do my own thing. So, yeah, about 2003, I kind of set off and, like, established myself. And I've been, like, grinding it out for... 12 years on my own and only I would say in the last two years has it become profitable or, or something that I really feel comfortable making a living at well, well and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and then pause it but in the in a, during a lot of that time you were doing this full-time sometimes but then you were a touring musician I mean you were a heavily touring musician well, the other thing, I, I knew that I didn't have to get a quote-unquote real job I didn't want to because my other love as I said was playing drums and I was sort of like, which one of these is going to pay off? And for a minute there, I was in a band that was signed, and we were touring, we were playing underneath yeah, really Birds large acts. Yeah, Birds of Avalon. And we were signed to a, a label called Volcom. And we were, you know, traveling to Europe and uh, Canada and all over the United States. And uh, I think we were touring like 200 days a year. So it was one of those things like, which is, you know, as a, as a musician, as you know, you're like, could this actually, I didn't want to be like Foo Fighters large, but I would love to have been large enough where I could tour a little bit, make a record and be able to pay all my bills. Yeah, right. 
that's what I think the dream of every musician really is that. Um, right, so that you can you can continue to create music. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, 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 and get paid to do so, or at least enough to like support. Uh, and it didn't really work out that way, unfortunately. It's, you know, I think 99.9% of people try in the same way. Um, and so I sort of threw myself in the other direction and, and pursued the art art world. And um, as you know, we kind of slowed down touring around 2009, and that's kind of when I tucked in and just started saying, "Well, I'm gonna have to really throw myself." Besides, with you and Aaron having Finch. yeah, and we had a daughter uh, in 2011 uh, named Finch. Um, light of my life, uh, and that also, of course, slowed things down a bit. I realized I really do need to start making a little more money. Um, yeah, and so it, it's just been growing, growing. I, I, at this point, I've kind of amassed a, a body of work that anyone that's interested in hiring me can look back and say, oh, he might be good enough for the job, whereas in the beginning, I didn't have a lot and so I was having to like go out and cold call and sort of solicit myself in a way that I really didn't want to do and thankfully now so people are coming like to me and, oh man so many street corners <laughs> so many late nights <laughs> so many roofies oh I can um, tell you some actually I couldn't I don't remember any of it <laughs> I have money though now <laughs> but, miraculous uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's back up for a second here and several venereal and go back into <laughs> go back into uh, like a little nostalgic uh, trip for me yeah it's just, just for my own my benefit really. and go back to when we were in high school and we were in a band together yeah and that band was called Eddie yes E-D-D-Y E-D-D-Y and we were uh, I guess like a the thing in a river like the thing in a river that goes the wrong direction um so yeah, we were a punk band essentially, and uh, and uh, I don't I think know. we were called at one point the underbelly of Charlotte's punk scene. Oh, we're the lords of the Charlotte underbelly. Is that what it was? Yeah, the lords of the lords of the pork belly. Yes, barbecue kings, Eddie. Not only do they play me, they barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God, that'd be so. Good. And, no, you know what though? In keeping with that theme, I, hey, well, no, here's what you're confusing. One writer called us Lords of Charlotte's Punk Underbelly, which is like the best thing anyone's ever written about me, professionally or otherwise. And the other thing was, someone compared us to Sonny's Real Fit Barbecue, which I think is where you're. Oh, I'm mixing you're confusing. the two. Well, you're like, might as well just go ahead and mix the two and I'm be satisfied with pork belly. I, I like pork. I like Sonny's. <laughs> And I like uh, punk. So all of it. Punk belly. No. Punk belly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, anyway, man, like, I went on and uh, went to college, and we continued Eddie for a little while. And then I did a little bit of playing up there with a, another dear friend, Ben Graham. And, up there, you mean Asheville? In Asheville, yeah. And, uh, and, and as we quit playing together, and we were doing that arts festival, the, the Waterbug Agency. And that was basically, Scott, you know, you were, he was painting the whole time. So it wasn't like you just decided to start painting murals. I mean, you were painting anyway. Yeah, I was still trying to, I mean, I was trying to continue to paint while I was playing. I mean, I never wanted to, I never stopped painting. I don't think I've ever stopped painting. Yeah. But I, um, well, my house is full of your art, and yeah. so is my office. You're very good. There was several members of my family and friends, like yourself and some others, Bardo Church for one, they have like 
ridiculous amounts of my work, which is wonderful. Yeah. I think you're all banking that when I make it famous, you might be able oh, to become yeah. famous. I really don't care about you, Scott. No one does. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> anyway. Why the beer is starting to take off? <laughs> By the Icarus, it's called Icarus. Um, so anyway, all right. So when you toured, now you know I again I played. You know, went from playing clubs with a you as a kid, and then playing clubs as an older kid. You know, and then just kind of stopped and played a little music when I moved out to Rock Hill and whatnot. But you like continued to kind of escalate that with the Dynamite Brothers and Birds of Avalon. Birds of Avalon, I guess, would be the pinnacle of the fact that you know. I mean, when you would text me or call me and say you're touring with uh, the Rack on Tours of Jack White, or you called me one time and told me that you were uh, with Bad Business in King Buzzo's house or something like that. Is that uh, accurate? Went to the mall with King Buzzo or something? <laughs> it was this uh, big business, which is a band made up of a guy, uh, um, Jared, who was in that band, Carp. Remember Carp? K- really. Carp with a K? Big, big business. Okay, Big Business. Uh, they moved to LA, and we went. And we were staying with them, and we were just <laughs> having drinks at night. And we had a day off in LA. And he's like, "What are you guys doing tomorrow?" And, and we're like, "I don't know." It's LA. And he's like, "You guys should go to Disney World with Buzzo and Dale." <laughs> did you go? Then the reason why we didn't oh, go, no. we didn't go. No. I mean, but I know it just. My, my, hey, cut this out. We went, dude. It was awesome. <laughs> no, we didn't go because uh, I can't remember what the reason was. It was something stupid. Like, That's like, remember that time we didn't go see Alice in Chains in Paris? Yes, yes. This is one of the top ten biggest mistakes of my life. So here we are, Chris, uh, Scott and I are Chris John, whatever the hell your name is. <laughs> Who is this John. guy? Cut the mic. Cut it now. Yeah. Um, so John and I, no, Chris and I, Scott and I <laughs> were in Paris, and we were with on a school trip, and we had a chaperone. And we were like, I guess 11th and 10th graders. 16, 17. Yeah, 16, 17. And our chaperone was like, just glad he was over there to go see his like boyfriend and stuff and like really didn't care what we did. He was the worst. I'll go <laughs> no, on record saying, no, he was the worst. No, he was the worst. No, he was Anyway, there's been worse. But anyway, so he didn't really care what we did and we found a flyer or handed a flyer or something. Here we are in Paris that Alice in Chains, and this was in 1993. No, two, three. Yeah. It's 92 or 93. I think it's 93 because it was when Dirt came out. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So that's a long time ago. So so here was Alice in Chains in 93 playing in a club in Paris. Yeah, like a 500 capacity club. We I remember like, we came up from the sub, and, and the subway, and there's like French dudes going, Alice, Alice. Yeah, and we're like, flyer, yeah. like what is this? It was Alice in Chains with Grunt Truck. Oh my gosh. And the worst part is like we like debated so we it. Go is the well, because then it, we were, it was it was him, and Mrs. Boo. Remember Kendall Boo's mom? She was the other chaperone. She was like, you guys can go. If you want to go, you can really go. And we dip- I don't even know why we didn't go. It wasn't on them, it was on us. But why didn't we go? We totally were just like, what eh, rationalization could we possibly We sat there make? and drank at a cafe and just like went, eh. And we went back to the hotel and got drunk in our hotel room. Saying nuisance songs out our window. And I know. I remember. And thinking that was cooler. So it was definitely, I mean, it was now awesome. in retrospect, probably cool. Yeah, probably was but, cool. No. <laughs> but I still like, I would love to have seen Alice in Chains in 1993 oh, in a 500 capacity club doing. The dirt. I mean, come on. 
dirt. Doing the dirt. That was just dumb on our part. Yeah, we blew it. We blew that's it. That's like one of a thousand dumb things. But that's yeah, that's the mistake. Yeah, that is a yeah I really, I think. I think I've told that story a lot over the years. Terrible. Well, there's no do-overs. No. There's no power lines that the ball's going to hit to create a do-over. There's no two-hand touch in this game. In what? Sorry, I digress. Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, um, we were way off on the um, Yeah, so, yeah, I was touring a bunch. Uh, from Basically, I started in a band after Eddie. Uh, I stopped playing. Actually, I never stopped playing drums. I, I went to Rhodes College in Memphis at a high school. That's where I went to first college. And I played in three bands there. And then uh, I went on a thing called Semester at Sea. I mean, I, and I transferred to University of North Carolina, and there I met up with an old buddy of mine from Charlotte named Mitch Rothrock. And we started playing together as Pud and Tang, doing like blues revival kind of stuff, like really like Skip Jamesy kind of stuff, not so much like Eric Clapton y, BB King stuff, more like. I remember deep. y'all were like a dirty, grungy, bluesy, uh, not grungy, dirty, uh, grimy, bluesy yeah. uh, two piece. Bef- and then I remember that was before anybody had ever heard of the yeah, White Stripes. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, then, and then the White Stripes and the Black Keys got all popular, and we were like, well, no one wants. In fact, I realized White Stripes came through Chapel Hill and played at the local 506, and they had on their rider no two pieces can open for us. Oh, wow. So I was like, this is bullshit. And, and um, we kind of, I was like, I'm kind of over the, the two piece thing. It's like when Mitch would weedily deedily, I was like lost. I wanted to bass back in. So I, we got our buddy Shane, who had played in the band The Jump Starts, which was like kind of a semi-successful ska revival band, uh, Shane Hartman, to sit in with us. And he, he played bass or keys? He played key, uh, bass. And he was in the band, he's still in the band. Uh, I guess that was probably like, he joined probably like 2003, 2002. And we toured all over the United States too. We did a lot of tours with Dynamite Brothers. And we had some success. We got a lot of music and movies and TV shows. But then about that time, Birds of Avalon was the remnants of, uh, well, there are two people in Birds of Avalon. Paul Siler and Chidi Kumar, the married couple, they were in a band called the Cherry Balance, which was a really big band in our, you know, small circle of people that are interested in local music in 2002, 2003. People like Stan definitely know Cherry Balance. And then they broke up, or they wanted to start a new band called Birds of Avalon and sort of handpick people they wanted to be in. And this guy, one guy, David, played bass, fantastic bass player, or guitar player, singer, and Craig, our friend, has a wonderful voice, and then me, I guess they like the way I play drums. So we formed a band, and that was 2004, and we got signed uh, pretty fast, and then toured from 2005 heavily until 2009. Like, like I said, we were at least 100 dates on the road, and then some years it was really heavy, like 200. And we got the tour with the Flaming Lips, Raconteurs, Ted Lee and the Pharmacists. Um, fucking champs. I mean, a lot of great, great, great bands. Great. It was wonderful. Best time. Yeah. Best time. So then there was that arc, and then you got serious with your your love, Aaron. Yes. I got married. And you got 2010 got married, and 2011 had a child. Yeah. And that uh, tends to change things because it's the most important thing in the world, and yeah. it rocks everything. I have. Yeah. It's a crown jewel. Yeah. And Finch Hergen. Yeah, for sure. 
And then, so then you uh, made a transition towards your visual art, but to commercialize that visual art, and that, and thus born the kind of muralist, the mural shop. Right. So I had, a, I remember having a conversation with you many years, not many years ago. It was like I think it's two and a half years ago. <laughs> um, talking about how to grow my business, you were basically doing free consulting to me because you're a good friend. We were talking about what's the what's the way to go. Should we? Should I? Spread myself open and uh, spread myself open. Should I? <laughs> That'll be your sound bite right way. there. That's one way to pay the bill. That's right. Bone myself in the rear. <laughs> or should I? <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Trying to figure out the direction I should take my company as far as, because I offered a lot of services at the time. I was sort of doing graphic art and illustration, painting, everything. And I think your advice to me was to streamline it rather than offer all the services, which is absolutely the correct uh, advice. Because once I realized if I could just settle down and, and focus on one aspect of what I do, which is murals and to some extent signs, um, the work started snowballing. Yeah, because then people can easily understand what you are. Yeah, and so I also changed my name at the time. I was a Nurkin Arts and Design or Aloha. I had actually a lot of different stupid names. But I finally uh, centered on the mural shop, which is really cut and dry. There's no bones about what I do. So, um, yeah, and luck, I've been fortunate enough, knock on wood, the last couple of years, uh, people have seen what I do and, and, and have thought maybe that's something for them. Yeah, that's great, man. I mean, you always see, every time I talk to you, you're several projects out. So, um, I yeah, think that's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm too busy, actually. I, I want to kill myself. <laughs> That's, that's not real. No. <laughs> but, um, well, you know, so let's transition here a little bit sure. and talk about, you know, the fact that there are so many uh, play people now that want to hire you, I think is indicative of something larger than, you know, the, the fact that we like pretty pictures. It's, it's wrapped into something new about the, the new economy, the new culture, the new the new downtown revival something. That's I agree. Great. I think it's I think it's a uh, the term handmade uh, resonates a lot more with people. Yeah. <laughs> handmade by hand. <laughs> I keep making that joke because you told me that when you were painting, when you were outside the Knights uh, Stadium and you were you were actually literally painting that this guy asked you who was waiting in line to buy tickets, he said he said, are you painting that? And he no. said, yeah. And he goes, by hand? Let's, let's, yes. Let's, you want to take, let's detour for a second. We just talk about the things that people say to me while I'm painting. I've had probably in the double digits the number of times while I'm sitting on a ladder with a paintbrush in my hand and a paint can in the other hand, touching the wall with paint on my paintbrush, somebody say, are you painting that? And I'll be like, yes. Like, I get really Confused, like I'm about to have a breakdown because I'm really like <laughs> transition like, to. Am to, I? Am like, I? Like, 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 <laughs> is this a break from reality? Like, how how can a question that's so obviously like, are you talking to me right now? Like, like on a different level. Am I like, so that's happened a lot, and uh, a lot of people ask me if, I paint, if I'm painting murals. That's a that's a common question. A lot of people ask me if I'll be painting a naked woman soon. Like, so, so are like, you gonna paint a naked woman? I mean, it's oh, the ultimate goal. 
<laughs> I did paint kind of a half-naked woman on a, um, a place in Charlotte called Brawley's Beverages. It's a great uh, bottle shop. I did a um, like a pinup girl. That's about as close as I've come to that. Um, but yeah, it's 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 you get to meet a lot of interesting people doing what I do. I'm sure, man. So, so what we talking about before we switch to? Oh, oh, we're talking about the fact that uh, you were gonna respond to my comment that this is tied into something bigger. Oh something yes. Cultural. Okay, so handmade before you make your dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think there's just like a now. People are interested in handcrafted things. So if we're sitting in a, in a place where there's a lot of handcrafted beer. I'm painting at a handcrafted brewery, you know? The wall to your left, dude. That's yeah. all recycled wood that exactly. out of the That's ceiling. Exactly. Unfortunately, there's, there's, we're in a culture where Walmart is still king, and people will always shop there. I, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Oh, yeah. But when you get down to things where it takes a little more time and effort to create something that is personal, there is a desire for that, and it, it can go as far as like where you shop for your groceries, where you get your clothing made. Local is a huge word these days, thankfully. And you know what? So is global. I've got this theory that local and global are the same thing. Today, the way it was different, but but akin to the way it was like in ancient Greece or something. You know, the whole you know, the ancient Greek that said, uh, "I am a citizen of the world." It's, it's always quoted as Socrates, but it was somebody else. But I don't remember who it was. But, but like I, I, I'm actually writing this book about comparing Florence, Italy, and that's not ancient Greece, but Florence, Italy, and the birth of the Renaissance, um, <laughs> to Rock Hill, South Carolina, right now. Only in Rock Hill being symbolic of like any revitalizing district or town or whatever. It's not specifically Rock Hill, but the idea that there's so much local like contracting and innovating and and like. Just, just people hiring people to do craftsman style work. I mean, our new economy is exploding with like the craftsman, you know? Whether it's beer or moonshine or like woodwork or, I mean, I'm actually doing outfits to my kitchen right now. And instead of going to Lowe's and buying cabinets and having Lowe's installers come and put them in all stuff, which Lowe's is great. I go there all the time. Anytime I'm working on something in the house, I go there five times, unfortunately. But um, but you would prefer something that someone built for you. Dude, we hired somebody who is just a creative guy like us, who's in there hand building cabinets and like making it nice. You know? I think that's that is it right there. You, you you pinpointed why people hire me to do what I do. A lot of people I've met, a lot of cynicism in doing. The number one thing people say to me when I tell them what I do, and for a long time I was semi embarrassed to say what I. Do. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I paint murals, man. Um, <laughs> I'm a muralist. muralist. Oh. Oh, somebody scored. But that's the thing. I uh, and it sounds kind of silly to a lot of people because they think it's not a commodity in the sense no one needs a mural. Right. Right. When, I, when, when the Thing, and when everything goes down, the revolution comes, no one's going to be calling my phone number and saying, we need to get you to get a mural. Right, get a mural. Right. <laughs> and I'm very acutely aware of that. But, I'm, you know, people don't need hand-stitched leather bags either. Right. And But people, if they can afford them or if they want those or they desire to even have something a little bit different, more distinct, they'll go for it. And uh, part of my job is to explain to people that it, it might go a little bit further if you don't you surely you can go to signs now no disrespect to your uncle in this respect i think signs have a, a very distinct place 
Well, just by the way, my, so you know, my uncle is a service and installation company. They don't uh, fabricate signs. Well, well, either they did. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, no, I'm not like murals versus, or signs versus fabrication. Like, I don't care about that. I mean, like, if you feel like you want to put a, a vinyl wrap around your building that has the Mona Lisa on it, I'll, I'll go for it. But I might say to you... She's got Mona Lisa rolling her eyes and it says 20% off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two years and it's over. Like, but I, I mean, more power to you. But I might be able to convince you that if you do something that's a little more, takes a little more time, you can watch the process unfold. People can ask questions while it's going down. You can add your own touch. You know, I want her eyes to be blue uh, because my grandmother's eyes are blue and her name was whatever Mona. I mean, I think there's a a special connection that happens when you do something that's handcrafted. Oh, yeah. And when you come in, you can feel it. I mean, just again, in the place that we're in right now, I mean, obviously... That guy's sculptures, the bicycle sculptures, those things are amazing. The um, hand-drawn uh, board. This, AC, like, DC poster. This, yeah, I mean, look at all the posters. Like, they're like old-school, like, rock-and-roll posters, and the wood is recycled wood. And, you know, it's metal tables. And it's just interesting. Well, I mean, I think you, you encapsulate it when you say, like, I could go to Lowe's. I do go to Lowe's. Yeah. But if you have the capability of doing something that you're going to want to live with and um, you can offer a friend of yours the opportunity to do something with you, collaborate with you, carpenter, come in and put install some cabinetry, or your friend that paints murals, you know, I want my ceiling for my daughter to have fairies on it. It's a special touch that you'll, you know, it may be temporary, but it's also, it, it's way more meaningful. And a lot of people get into the thing where it's like, well, I don't, I can't afford it. I don't, I don't want to spend money on something that, like, that's that's groceries or whatever. But if you start breaking down things in your life that you spend money on in that sense, it's it, it gets. Yeah, I think that you know, I, I think it's wise when you can. I mean, you got to be smart about how you spend your money when you do a commercial project, obviously, whatever. But I mean, I mean that's an that's an obvious point. Um, but it is it is a new. It's a reality that like people aren't. I mean. If you want people to come in and, and experience your establishment and what you have to offer, if you can't offer something unique, then you have to just be something like incredibly consistent, like a, a chain. Like, yeah, I mean, Walmart or people love Olive Garden and great and good for them. And people love, you know, I think Outback has a good steak and whatever, and it's consistent every time and blah, blah, blah. But when I go to Flipside, two doors down, I don't go in there because it's Outback. I want the menu to change. I want there to be a new piece of art on the wall. I want to talk to the owner. Like, it's a whole different thing. It would be a nightmare if you just sat, rested on your laurels and you thought, well, I'm just going to go to the same places because I know what I can get there. I mean, certainly, there's a, a convenience. I mean, when we were in France, like, to just do a call back here, 16, 17, we ended up going to McDonald's, not because we love McDonald's, we but we knew what the hell beer. we were going to get. Except we didn't know they had flat warm beer. Well, and they also served beer, which was yeah. really exciting for a 17-year-old kid. <laughs> uh, and McDonald's and beer, I mean, whatever. But I mean, you know what I'm saying, it's like, it's, yeah, it's instead like the of French fries tasted the same well, there. We were in France, we were like the culinary capital of the world in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, you know, French cuisine is amazing. But we were like, well, I'm just gonna go to McDonald's because you knew exactly what you were gonna get. You didn't need to worry about the hassle of like yeah, trying to figure it out. Yeah. But, so there's definitely a time and space for that. But you know, I think it, you're much happier when you can find things that that are, are more original or more personal. And, and you don't. And that's been the rebirth of uh, 
of, of the center cities and urban districts and historic districts. The rebirth of them has not been, you know, uh, uh, antique stores. Yeah. Like, yes, there are certain communities that have this collection of antique stores and people drive there for that reason and that's their stick and that's great. But for the most part, the rebirth of those districts and areas across the nation is actually with new high-tech jobs, yet with people who want to be in an environment that feels old and local and village-esque, hand-painted, hand-crafted, hand-put-together, while they're, you know, when they're at work, they're on a global environment of connectivity on their computers. You know? The irony, to me, is in that, when we're talking about a place like Rock Hill, for example, like what's going on right now, the revitalization of this area, the exact opposite is happening in a place like Chapel Hill, which also, which used to be known for being very unique and distinct and local. Oh, it's it's completely, I hate to use this word, but gentrified. Yeah. I mean, I love Waffle House, but now there's a Waffle House on Franklin Street, which replaced Pepper's Pizza, which was a handmade pizza place where everyone I knew that was a musician used to work. Whatever, that's just what's happening. You can't fight it in a lot of ways. But the irony is that there's places, big cities like Charlotte, I'm seeing small districts that are really trying to go back. Oh, yeah, like but South End and uh, Plaza Midwood and all that. I'm seeing it in places like Sanford, North Carolina, where I've done work, Carthage, North Carolina. Well, except that places where it used to be, like Chapel Hill. It's like, I can't explain it. I don't know what's happening. Raleigh right now is becoming a really amazing spot for cuisine and uh, handcrafted goods and like really cool shops that, are, that house like local artisans stuff. Um, but then my hometown, which I love to death, it's not the same. I don't even go downtown anymore. You know, uh, Greenville had a huge, Greenville, South Carolina had a wonderfully successful re revitalization story and has turned into an amazing, cool downtown. I don't know if you've, know if you've been Greenville. there. Greenville, I've, I've never Dude. been there. Dude, it is awesome, it's amazing. But they're already flipping over that tipping point. South Carolina. Greenville, South Carolina. They're already tipping over that uh, tipping point where the four locally owned coffee shops in downtown Greenville, which is amazing, you can have four locally owned. Yeah. Now there's like three Starbucks or two Starbucks moved right into the city. Yeah. And again, I, I mean, Starbucks is fine, yeah. but the point, and then like an anthropologist just opened, and, and you know, shoot, man, Dixie loves anthropology, and that's fine. Yeah. But my point is, is that rents are getting so high, yeah. the thing's getting so posh, that it's getting to that national brand upscale level, and it's basically gentrifying. It's funny, man. Gentrification is usually a word that's talked about with, at least in the South it is, where you kind of like, it's a, a, a class and race thing, you know? It's like you have traditionally like African-American folks of a lower socioeconomic who are occupying a urban district because of white flight back in the 50s when every all the white people with money moved out of the suburbs, had their cars, and could commute, and they left downtown to just kind of rot, and, the, and it got ghettoized. And then you have the low socioeconomic in the ghetto area, and it's vast majority African American. And then when the white folks decide with money that they're going to move back in and start making cool places, it gentrifies the area, which, you know, we see it as progress and upfit and all, but in some respects it's like pushing people out. And do we just move them to another ghetto, or do we infuse them with kind of are they part of the vision of what's happening and participating in the process, or are they just being relocated again so that we can have another playground, quote unquote? 
So that's usually where I hear the word gentrification. But there's another form of gentrification, and it's not about race. It's what you're talking about. There, it's, it's a bohemian culture that revitalizes an area because it's people that are entrepreneurs, they're taking a risk, they're open to place, they become a cool culture of like hipness or whatever. And then you have major brands that come in to capitalize on that hipness because they have a commercial version of that hipness. And they gentrify out the bohemian crowd with the major brands and they become a tourist area for the suburb suburbanites. Yeah. It's really crazy. It's a whole nother, it's like a second tier of gentrification, you know? Yeah, they suck the life out of everything. And the unfortunate part of that is that we're, as, as American humans, we are like, I've never heard it put that way. <laughs> Not as opposed to American cats, all right? Right, I mean, um, we, we're unfortunately a little bit too, uh, the convenience is just too, too much. Right. I can't deny the fact that Target is an awesome place oh, on some levels. And so a, across from where in Chapel Hill, there's a wonderful little area. There's a local, locally owned supermarket well, directly across the street from there was formerly just a beautiful forest. We're going to wipe that entire place out and put up essentially a Phillips place. Are you familiar with that area in Charlotte? Yeah, yeah. Multiplex movie theater, Target, uh, P.F. Chang's probably. I'm just going to guess off the top of my head. It's probably an anthropology. Probably going to be a nail salon. You know, and all those things are like... It's at one level you're just like, oh man, where did that forest go? On the other level, it's sort of like, oh sweet, I don't have to drive all the way to Durham. I know, to go to Target, yeah. Another thing, like, sweet, is a Target. It's, it's yeah. unfortunate, like, you know, it's 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 double edged sword. What are you going to do? It is. Uh, when I was in, when Dixie and I were in Vermont, uh, there was no Walmart in the whole state of Vermont. And they were just starting the fight where Walmart was going to move into Vermont, and yeah. the citizens were like, Oh, it was yeah. an uprising, man. It stopped them, and they stopped them for probably 15 years. Kept them from moving, and now I think they're doing a new billboard policy up there. I don't know, but there were no billboards when we were there. It was incredible, man. It was beautiful. God, it was beautiful. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, but anyway, I think there might be a Walmart in there now. I don't know, but um, oh, there's gotta be, dude. There's gotta be. So anyway, let me circle back around here, man. Yeah. So, you know. I'm glad you're in town, working here in Rock Hill. It's like happy to be back. Good. Old stomping grounds for a minute. And it's it's, oh, it's no. rest in peace, Waffle House, Cherry Road Waffle House. Oh, I know, man. yeah, oh. big deal. I heard it was a big internet deal. <laughs> Do you not on the internet anymore or something? I just I'm not on Facebook, and so that's the internet guy. <laughs> There's nothing else. I don't I don't I just I just bowed out a few years ago. Good. Good for you, man. Well, I'm not saying that to be high and mighty. I just, I know. I don't know, I just do other things. But um, I do equally as awful things. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. But um, but anyway, um, you know, as involved as we are here in Rock Hill with kind of what's going on, to see a brewery opening, and to see that brewery investing in handcrafted painted signs, and to find out that you're the one who's <laughs> coming here to do that, like how cool is it? Yeah, it's pretty awesome, man. I was excited about it. I was happy to come back. Um, yeah, I mean, the place looks, and I think it's going to be really cool. I mean, obviously, we're in this place, Milltown, is it called? Millstone, yeah. Um, and obviously, there's, it reminds me of a place in Chapel Hill that we go to, and it's really well, uh, doing really well. It's a, like a local pub, basically, a pizza place. Yeah. And I think that that's essentially what they're going to do, is like draw people that 
want down home sounds super old and like yeah, new is old, you know, in that sense. I mean, but I think it's, it's got the same sort of feel and appeal. I hope it does anyway, and I hope it's not a thing where the other problem with what we're talking about is like it becomes a competitive thing when you're talking about money's on the line. Like Walmart, Target, they're competing against each other. The places in my town that are are are, are driving the, the locally owned places, they're popping each other up. They're propping each other up. They want each other to do as well as they're doing. It's not a competitive nature. It's not a money game. It's a survival game. I guess you could say that money is a part of the survival, but I think it's more like just support a local entity. Well, man, there's an, you know, you can either have a perspective of abundance or a perspective of, you know, limitation or you know, whatever the other opposite of abundance is, but uh, the idea that there's one pie and that we're fighting over peace, the size of our peace is a, is a negative proposition from the beginning yeah. versus like there's so much more we could do if we work together. Like there's endless amounts of pie out there. Sure. <laughs> oh man, so much pie. <laughs> so hungry right now. Um, yeah, I mean that's essentially what I'm saying. There, it's funny because the breweries in I wasn't exaggerating. What I was saying. There's like 12 breweries in my town, my small right. town. I think it's just those guys aren't like mad at the other breweries for opening up two blocks over. It's, everyone knows that you're not going to like drink. I only like this beer. Certainly there are people out there that are that way. But I think, you know, variety is the spice of life. I mean, they believe that, you know, go over there and, and, and enjoy them and then come back and enjoy us and talk to each other. It's the way a community builds and grows. It's so s silly to, to be competitive in that nature. I think that there's a, with the kind of newer generation, you know, you and I are at this point old men. I mean, we're on the... Under, right on the yeah, other side of 40. Right around the corner, <laughs> yeah. for sure. But the millennial generation, which is, I think we, you and I have a lot of millennial tendencies, but, you know, specifically speaking, the millennial generation is younger than us. You know, but um, they're, you know, tapped into this idea that, I mean, I, I know that when I work in uh, the web industry with a lot of younger folks and stuff, there's so not any competition. Like nobody has that perspective that it's dog eat dog and oh I'm gonna crush them or you know, nobody even thinks that way. Man. Everybody's like, hey, your business doing great. That's great, man. Wow, yeah. good for you. Yeah. It's just so positive, you know. Yeah. Have you experienced that? <laughs> not really. Actually, I don't know. I, I will say yes. I, I know, in a positive way, overwhelmingly yes. I think there's a a tendency. In, in, in the artistic world, I think people are a little jealous because it's so hard to make money that there's a, it's a it's super competitive. I uh, I'm I'm competitive as hell. I mean, it's like I'm just sitting here thinking about what I just said about everybody sharing love. I'm not like I'm going out there cutting anybody's throats and you gotta get mine. But I it is like kicking their ladders. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, spiking their paint. Turpentine. I don't know. Um, I, it's just, it, you know, everything's, there are bad elements to everything. I think that sometimes it can get hard and there are shortcuts that some people try and make. Yeah. Um, I'm speaking very general. Well, so generally. do you have, are there, is there like a regionally, uh, packed market of muralists? You'd be surprised how many muralists there are out there. I think in, in this area, I am not aware of any people, uh, or I'm aware of the ones that are trying to do what I do. Um, there's certainly plenty of artists out there that are doing murals from time to time. 
Um, uh, my, 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 yeah, I'm nine to five or eight to 12, you know, like five, sometimes six days a week. I don't know how many people are doing that around. I don't know why, but I definitely know a good uh, chunk of uh, muralists and there's a great support in that group. Like none of us are like frowning upon the fact that one of us got a gig and one didn't, you know what I mean? That's not a thing. I guess what I was speaking to earlier is like, when um, someone that comes from the outside is not like really invested in the time and just like tries to jump on the market. And a lot of times it's well, not- that's a, probably a good self-regulation within a, a, a market or industry. It's a lot of times not somebody that's really affiliated with art. It's somebody yeah. like looking for a quick, like, oh, if I can put you on this, I'm gonna make a book out of it. Which is, I guess everything's kind of like that in a lot of ways. But. Yeah, I mean, that, I think that's good that when you have a craftsman community, they weed out the, the people who are inauthentic and- Absolutely, craft that's community. absolutely true, yeah. No one wants a joker in the, in the card deck. Right, unless it's wild. Having more no, jokes. Still, even you don't want a wild joker, man. You're just gonna, like, <laughs> crazy shit. Kill you. That can kill yeah, you. Like, you're like, while you're playing cards. Are you crazy? Yeah. Maybe you do. Well, man, Scott, I'm so glad that you're able to be here. I'm glad that you're able to take the time to do this uh, podcast that went in many directions. It's been a interesting road we have taken today, my friend. <laughs> Is it a road at all, really? Is it a road? No, ski slope. Flailing swimmer. Space. We're <laughs> blasting through space right now. Um, it's so drunk. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm man. not. I have to go back to work. <laughs> I'm not really. Damn. I'm not. I'm not. Um, so anyway, with that, I'll say thank you. Thank you. And um, Neil, as always, either behind or near the mic. Well done, well done. Yeah, I say, for people that are interested, I don't know how many podcast listeners you have, but... Um, it's like two or three. Awesome. Those two people, my mom and your mom, <laughs> um, can uh, uh, find in my work, if you're interested in what I do and seeing what I, I, I paint, um, you can find me at The Mural Shop, one word, The Mural Shop, on Instagram and Twitter. And my website's themuralshop.com. I'm glad you said that. So if you're looking at this, if you're listening to this podcast while you're looking at oldtimenewworld.com, you're going to see all this stuff. Links to the website, links to all the social media stuff. But if you're listening to it, download it from iTunes. You won't see any of that. So it's good for us to say that on the air. So, is it iTunes? It is iTunes, yeah. Oh, cool. So, so say it one more time, themuralshop.com. The Mural Shop. All right, and that's or at The Mural, Mural Shop. Yep. That's cool. Twitter and Instagram. Cool. And uh, all right, well, uh, I guess we'll see you next week on Old Town New World. Thanks, fellas. What's your tag? Do you have a tag out? That was it. We'll see you next week on Old Town New World.